0: Today, we'll be continuing the conversation with Suramya Kedia, VP of Brands and Strategic Growth at Great Galleon Ventures. Welcome to the Zista podcast, where we invite industry leaders and academicians to answer queries that students have within a specific subject area. Let's jump straight into the session. Welcome back to the podcast, Suramya. It was really good speaking to you in the last episode.
1: Thank you. It's good to be back.
0: So I remember the last episode we spoke a little bit about the brand Rascal. I know you went over it a bit, but I wanted to know, like, what are the brand strategy that you have created for the new beverage product Rascal?
1: Um, I guess this is, um, you know, pretty straightforward, I think. Um, when you're developing a product, you kind of have to try and see what the market gap is and sometimes you know the market doesn't show you an obvious answer because some products are just new um for instance rascal is i think just a new product because it is sort of classed in the in the ready to drink um or you know the the bottled long drink slash cocktails category which breezer and bacardi plus are usually classed in um but there's no historic uh let's say precedent for you know rascal because it's 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 really high alcohol content. It's ten percent um that we kind of wanted to do because um, India has a strong beer drinking market um if you if you look at the volume, I mean, I think um. I might have the exact statistic wrong, so please don't quote me on it. But I think beer as a whole makes up for 53% of alcohol consumption in the in the country. Um, and so, then looking at what White Claw did in the U.S., they also um, were successful in 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 capturing some, at least of of the really of the really vast uh, beer market in the U.S. So that was sort of a similar ambition for us that we wanted to be competitive with strong beers, right? Um and secondly, not everyone likes the taste of strong beer or spirits. And that's sort of what we um really are are proud of is that our blends actually taste quite good. I mean I I love the taste of them and it seems like people are responding quite well to them as well. Um so we have um uh so we have a coffee flavor it's called twisted coffee and caramel. Mm-hmm. We have um like like a mojito inspired flavor, it's called fresh diamond mint. And then we have a classic ramen cola. So there's also strategy behind why we chose each of the each of these flavours. I personally wanted um rascal to not be um to, to 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 be age agnostic and gender agnostic. So I don't want only um people of a certain age, you know, like breezer drinkers to drink rascal or women who are another historically known um, uh, major consumer of, of of RTDs, like breezers in, in India, uh, to be the only con- consumers. So we created um, a flavor for each, let's say, um, taste profile. So, you know, like, let's say coffee has a more earthy taste. So we wanted to do that to cater to spirits drinkers and beer drinkers. Um, whereas the fresh lemon mint was based off of the fact that um, these citrusy flavors are re- are, are best sellers in the in the RTD category, and then the rum and cola was sort of my idea to have an all weather um, sort of um, take on on RTDs because beer sales usually tend to fall a little bit when the when when the weather gets a bit colder but rum sales really take off. So, you know, I wanted to see, you know, what happens when you have a rum-based RTD. Um, so, you know, kind kind of wanted to have a product that isn't classed into any books, but really has mass appeal. So that's something for everyone for every season. So
0: the flavors are also something that you're currently experimenting with. So that will keep changing as the feedback comes.
1: Uh, definitely I mean uh, consumer feedback is everything to us so I think one thing that I want to keep constant as a part of the culture of rascal specifically you know because um because it's just it's birthed right now like it's you know so you really can sort of inculcate that culture in the brand um listening to consumer voices is super important um and um we do we don't we, we don't want to um like ax these flavors but hopefully you know add some more or tweak the blends depending on response
0: awesome so you have also named a few beverage brands I wanted to know can you give us a few more examples of those brands and what are some of the metrics that make them stand out
1: um all oh, right so I because because I mentioned Vitro, right yeah um yeah I I'll actually mention smaller brands now because my inspirations actually come from smaller brands uh, more uh, on on a personal level than they do from um, larger brands. Um, so one of the brands that I I rate quite highly is called um, Empirical Spirits, and I told you I um, I I spent uh, some time in Denmark doing masters, and this is a Danish company. Now, I think that they've moved to the U.S. because the U.S. is just a much larger RTD market and spirits market um, than, you know, let's say Denmark or sometimes, you know, like it's it's, yeah. just, a, it's just a lot more open to experimentation. Um, and there's just also like a lot more, I think, funding for F&B in, in the U.S. So I think that's sort of why they went there. Um, but uh, this was started by... Um, some people who used to work at this um, restaurant called Numa, which um was has been for many years. I don't know if it currently is yet, um anymore or not, been rated as the best restaurant in the world. And like the the philosophies that Numa has is really I think what inspires me and it's 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 because of the artist inside me, I think. Um that it's it's um it's 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 not about um giving consumers what they already want, but really, you know, pushing the boundaries of flavor and process and, you know, really like creating categories of the future, as one might say. So that's sort of been carried forward by empirical spirits itself. And now they sort of create um, ready to drink, but also spirits that um, combine multiple different distillation and fermentation processes and you know so it's it's not just okay like vodka has a process of being made beer has a process of being made sake has has its own you know production process and I have to say like the, the quality speaks for itself the packaging speaks speaks for itself so on on the product level I think empirical spirits is um is something that really inspires me. On a strategy level, there's a company called Moth Drinks in in the UK, and I've personally spoken to the founders quite a lot, so I know that. Um, I, I I know their sort of founding story and how they and how they're growing currently. Um, and it was started by um, a graphic designer and this guy who um used to work in in in, in mixology, and I think it's proof that you know. If you're in the industry working with consumers and putting consumers at the heart of your work, you you will be successful. And um, what what I like about their strategy is that um, although they are based in the UK, they 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 didn't want to um, expand to all sales channels at once, or they didn't want to expand to all geographies outside the UK at once. They really picked their battles and put all their resources into you know proving their proving their strategy and their and their let's say business acumen and you know product acumen in in one category and once they had proved that then you know they they went to get additional funding and then they used that sort of um success and money to go to different channels and i think that that's something that is very easy to forget that you can't grow everywhere all at once and sometimes you just have to have the patience to focus on one strategy, and you know, like, and 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 not get distracted. And I think they've done that really well.
0: Awesome. I wanted to ask you, how do you measure the effectiveness of your brand development efforts? And uh, like, what are some of the metrics that you use?
1: So I think that with brands, the the most direct met the, the most direct metrics are sales, right? So your so your sales volumes at the end of the day um as well as your ROIs on, on marketing spends are what will tell you whether your whether your branding strategies are working or not. In 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 today's day and age, sometimes those those metrics are really thrown out the window because quite often a brand just never reaches profitability. But because the brand becomes known, so I think the I think the third metric would be brand awareness. You you can do tip-stick studies to see how many people in 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 the target markets that you've spent marketing budgets on have actually heard of your brand let's say
0: that's amazing so 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 just to kind of sum it up so, so some of those metrics that you have shared were the roi the sales and the brand awareness of the yes. brand okay so kind of coming back to the role as a brand developer what are, what are some of the skills and qualities in your opinion are essential to be a successful brand manager
1: um, I think that it's basically just two sides of the coin. You have to be both, um, have a sensitive and empathetic side to actually, you know, understand what what consumers need, but you also need to balance that out with um, an emphasis on numbers. So you kind of have to have both and combine them both. So it's a very unique role um, where, you, where, where you get to use both sides. Um, people management is a very, very important one because at some point, I mean, you obviously can't do everything yourself. Um, so sort of knowing how to delegate and knowing how to manage a team, I think is probably one of the toughest parts of the job, but very important.
0: Okay. What has been some of your challenges in uh, uh, achieving those skills or like honing those skills?
1: I mean, the, the only thing I can say is that you you learn by doing and making mistakes and that by that over time, as you as you learn from your mistakes, you, I think you just mature and you grow and, you know, you, you know how to allocate your time, you know, when to listen to your intuition, when to look at the numbers, you know, you you know, you know how to balance all of that and you start to get an understanding of um, people and who's good at what and, you know, you have your own strengths and weaknesses and you start to understand that as well and I'm still, I mean, I'm really at the very beginning so I'm, I'm just learning right now.
0: <laughs> I see that. And those are some of the, you know, power pack insights that you have shared. So I'm I'm sure some someone who's looking to start a business in this industry will find it useful just to kind of like research and know more about stuff, understand the market trends and everything. Thank you so much for joining us for this session, Suramya.
1: Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It was great to talk.
0: I hope you like this session. To get more content like this, subscribe to our YouTube channel and click the bell icon. Follow us on the audio platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Till we meet again, I'd say stay curious.